0: know that tomorrow night is the closing meeting and we hope you would give us a good finish and encourage as many as you can who are free to come along most are free on a Friday night and we will be thankful to see them and we will finish the meetings on that night that is if the Lord will there will be other announcements made on Friday night for the weekend and so on but we'll wait till then to make them now uh, I want us to read tonight in the Epistle to the Romans. As you notice, we went through the Gospels first of all, and now we're slipping into the Epistles. Now, we want you to understand that tonight we are especially concerned with the Holy Spirit in us personally, individually. Now, we're not thinking so much of the Holy Spirit's work in a collective sense. We'll maybe look at that tomorrow night. But individually, what it really means for us to of the Holy Spirit now we read in Romans chapter 5 to begin with just a brief reading there Uh, chapter 5 verse 5 and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us now slip over please to chapter 8 verse 8 so then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, verse 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, we don't want to be too much uh, you notice that back in verse eleven, our mortal bodies will be quickened by that same spirit. Now we will move over, please, to the epistle, the second epistle to the Corinthians. This time it'll be chapter three, We'll let me we just read briefly. Now we'll not read too much. Uh, look down at verse uh, verse 17 a difficult verse I think some of you will agree now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty now will you slip on to the next epistle please the next epistle Galatians and this time chapter 5 we're not reading too much uh, verse uh, 18, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Uh, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, the next epistle, Ephesians. Now, I'll have to, I'll have to draw to a line at close, but I don't want to uh, keep you too long. I'll read a little. In Ephesians chapter four, in chapter one we have a sealed by the Spirit. But I think you know that fairly well. Verse thirty will be our reading. Verse thirty of chapter four. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye're sealed unto the day of redemption. Now that will do for our, our readings. <coughs> I think we all are agreed, aren't we, that the age in which we live could be specially described as the age of the Holy Spirit. It's that special time when we might say, going back over the past, it was God, and then it was Christ, and now it's the Spirit. Now, we're not saying that the other persons of the Godhead are not active. But broadly speaking, I think we can say that we are living in the age of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, our first experience of the Holy Spirit's working was when we were convicted of sin. We were sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And then unto the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. I assume from that text that I'm quoting from Peter that it's looking back to that time when the Spirit of God set us apart and took a special dealing with us, which culminated in our application of the death of Christ to our soul. Now remember, you might have thought it was the preacher was stirring your heart, or you might have thought it was your own wisdom that was arousing you. But when all was known, and all is known, it was God the Holy Spirit, begetting desires after salvation, and desires to be rid of sin, and have the pardon of iniquity. Now let us be clear on this, because you see, he was setting us apart, for that very purpose of, applying to, of us applying the blood of Christ to our souls. Now, I think that's also mentioned in Thessalonians, but I don't want to keep you too long there. Then the moment, now that we had first of all thought about was when the Spirit of God dealt with us and gave us an interest in the great matter of salvation. Then, of course, the moment of conversion came. And we were born of the Spirit. That is to say, the Holy Spirit begat life within us. Now, the new birth, as you know, is described in John three. Now, the preachers have you preached that well? You know it so well, you don't need me to go into it. But you will agree that there is a slight difficulty in that well-known text: "Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot uh, see the king. He cannot enter the kingdom of God." Now, we we, we take the simple view. Now, we're very simple in our thinking in the Bible. And that is this, that when I'm thinking of the water, I'm thinking of that which cleanses. And when I'm thinking of the Spirit, I'm thinking of that which empowers. Now, let us all remember that in our new birth, we needed more than the black past went away. We needed power and energy and life. And that came by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now David had that in his mind, hadn't he? You know the psalm so well, don't you? Where, wash me, wash me, and so on. And he wants purged. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Aye, but he says, create in me a new heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. So that David not only knew that he needed the the, the sin uh, washed away, and purged away, and cleansed away, But he equally knew that he needed the power to preserve him from further sin and to uh, maintain him in fellowship with God. Now have we got that far. In the believer's experience, he's born of the spirit. But that wasn't all that happened the moment he got saved. That wasn't all. We're told from Ephesians chapter 1 and from the verse 2 that we read in Ephesians chapter 5, that at that very time, upon believing, he was saved with that Holy Spirit of promise. And then we're told another word about it, which is the earnest of our inheritance. That means to say that when a person puts his trust in Christ, for that passage makes it very clear that salvation through trusting Christ or setting one's hope on Christ, I'm giving you the identical thought that's in the text. Once we set our heart, our hope on Christ, that moment we are saved and we have received the gospel and then sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That is to say, we're stamped and marked by the indwelling Spirit as divine property. We have, as it were, had the stamp of eternal God upon us and the Holy Spirit was that seal That made our salvation absolutely sure. Now I am quite satisfied that not one person ever was saved by the Spirit of God who will be lost. Once That blessed work has taken place. And that takes place just at the moment of conversion. I wasn't thinking about it when I was getting saved. Now don't misunderstand me. I knew very little. I was only a schoolboy. And it was very limited. But I had that blessed experience that the Holy Spirit has sealed me. Now this is the bit I want you to think about. That sealing that took place and that indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that coming into one's heart the Spirit of God is an earnest a little forties of all that will be inherited and enjoyed for all eternity now I'm taking a little minute on this because this is important some were born into very wealthy homes that's a good thing I suppose it must mean a lot good many of us weren't born born that way some have great prospects for this world. Now we're not against that. Don't misunderstand me. I think I would say to some of you young folk now, and I don't want to be unkind to you, in all probability, you haven't the slightest idea of how life will work out with you. What are you saying? I you know what I'll do now. Just don't you be too dramatic. Please don't. Many times life changes in ways we don't expect. But our men doing things today they never dreamt they would do. And living in places today they never expected to live in. And I would judge that one of God's ways with his dear children is just to upset our usual way of thinking and our plans. He keeps stirring the nest and upsetting our, our schemes. But you see, what are you getting around to? I'm getting around to this. That your inheritance, the real treasure that you possess, is not in this world at all it's in another world it's not material nor it's not social nor it's not earth. it's spiritual wealth and when you receive the Holy Spirit you've got the first installment of that great inheritance that will come to you in all its fullness in the great eternity now you say what is all that about? or what effect should that have upon me now it just means this don't get too excited about how you get through earth not too excited now I'm not saying you shouldn't give it some thought I'm not saying you should be careless or wrong. but always remember that your true wealth and the real possessions that you have are possessions that don't end with time and possessions that neither wear out nor rust they are possessions that are going to last eternally now you know we live in 1990, I don't need to tell you that but I'm more than that in the mind we live in an age when the great problem of our day, now it is a serious problem, this is not just Ulster I'm talking about, this is a worldwide problem that young believers uh, particularly seem to become very difficult to retain in assembly life now I'm being very practical. Very practical. It's becoming increasingly difficult to keep them happy in assembly life. And the tendency with many of them is well, there's nothing here for us, you know. There's no games, there's no clubs, there's no camps, there's no entertainment, there's none of the thrills that you would get if you were in some of the denominations. Oh, come on, dear child of God, I hope you're thinking with me. Please do think. When all time is over, friend, what's all that going to mean? Is that all that God has for us a wee lot of things that we to have when before we were saved? Those he bits of things that we could have done before we were saved. And we're going to play with them. And we're going not out to get happy with them then. And if they didn't satisfy us before we were saved. What good are the two now? If I could get a longing of my heart gratified, it would be this. I would love to see every young believer with an inward appetite for that which is spiritual. And I would judge if the Holy Spirit has his way who indwells every child of his. That would be the yearning of the breast. I want to enjoy more of God, more of his Son more of the things that will last eternally look dear brother you know the highest level you can reach as a believer on earth is just to live so that heaven won't be a big change for you you just think of a man professing to be saved and he's on a snooker table I don't know what way to play it but the push balls or something a wee stick or something you know he's on a snooker table and you think of that man and the Lord to come just in the twinkling of an eye, and he raises from a snooker table to the very red, red uh, scenes of heaven. Can you see the big change that'll be? Hmm? Can't you see that that's that's just absolutely different? There's many of those men you who claim to be saved and are at the snooker tables. I want to use that just as an illustration its only one of many things, maybe they haven't got the Holy Spirit at all. Why they have no appetite for spiritual things? And don't forget that. Not born again. That's why they don't want what's really spiritual. And the more spiritual a meeting's in, the more miserable they are. The less of God's avert the place, the more happy they are. Hmm? Late Mr. Duff told me about what notion he took to tell me we are talking about something and he just brought it around he said there was a meeting you know and it was one of these after meetings young people having a bit of a, of a carry on but one of the overseers thought he would stay behind and see just what exactly he did go on in this bit of an after meeting where the young people felt they were uh, being so happy and so on and he said just on and the seat, he didn't go out he thought he would go out you see and at length they got impatient they didn't know what to do so they give out that hymn Why do you wait dear brother? Why do you tarry so long? They didn't want him to stay. Now you say why did they not want him to stay? Now let's be honest about it. Just get a see. Let us get into the thing and see. Why did they not want him to stay? To stay. They just knew as well as they were living that what he had dared to do wouldn't be he wouldn't be agreed with it. And do you hear me brother? Look dear young believer. Now, I don't want to be lecturing you because I was a lad myself when God saved me as you know and I just was screwed by it I'm not going to give you speeches now don't you do anything by the grace of God that you wouldn't want the overseers to know you're now doing now that's not a hard place you wouldn't want to do anything in this life that you wouldn't be happy at if the Lord would come at that moment and that's just practical there's nothing big about that. That would just search all our hearts, isn't it? Oh, he wouldn't want to see one of his own linked up with a an unsafe companion. Now he know he would. He wouldn't like to think that the world that has nailed him to a cross and left him with scars in his body, that that world would ever be embraced and held by any that love him and believe in him. He wouldn't want them to find any of their treasures in the world that means man's so little to ahead. now dear so think about that you have a treasure don't be thinking you're in poverty don't be thinking that you're nobody that you have nothing we have it it's an eternal treasure that even when the breath leaves our bodies we still have it things that you would go in for and others would go in for. You'd have to leave them all behind you. All behind you. But we have treasures that we'll never left. And you see, we've already, the start of it you know, the Holy Spirit within us is the earnest of it. It's the beginning of it. It's the starting off of it. It's the forerunner of it. And we've got the sample. And we enjoyed it to the full, I hope. I hope we are then we'll be enjoying the fullness of it in a coming day and that leads us to the next thing and that is this we read in our Bibles about the communion of the Holy Ghost now there's a slight difference don't be thinking I'm too technical but there's a slight difference between fellowship and communion I know the same words translated in many cases there are two words but they're one of them translated both ways maybe we're not going to be too critical as we're not allowed to be at any time at least in public meetings now all I want to say is this if there be a slight difference between those two words there is this thought in communion that it's not only sharing in a thing which fellowship implies but it's enjoyment of a thing can you get that so the communion of the Holy Spirit is the enjoyment of the indwelling spirit and his communing with us and his working in our souls and enriching our minds and making us feel as if eternity is going to be too short to praise God with the fullness of our hearts you know it's great dear souls I, I would love to I would love to see not just that. you know I suppose some of you think I'm a bit legalistic and so on you, you want and you see everybody's faithless and so on like that I think it's something far far deeper dear souls something far deeper a spiritual enjoyment of that which is divine of course, the old woman was not so very old but she was, she was uh, uh, coming into fellowship in an assembly and uh, uh, one of the, the men in the place where she had normally gone to before she says Look, you know, she you go there. You go there. Don't let you go nowhere else. Don't let you go nowhere else. You'll be all taken down to the one place. Well, she, she, I've been going, and she, to tell you the truth, I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. I've enjoyed it that much. I don't want to go anywhere else. But you see, that explains a whole lot, doesn't it? Doesn't it? That is the, the enjoyment of the Holy Spirit's communion it is a sweetness in life that makes life different to the mere. The mere frothy thing, you know, the frothy thing that's all around you that you're nearly sick looking at. Just an empty bubble. That's good for nothing. There's no solidity in it. There's no reality in it. It's just a mere shah. Now, the communion of the Holy Spirit now that would mean this that if you've enjoyed a little of it you'll miss it when it's missing and you'll be able to tell that you've grieved the Lord just by the fact that the sweetness and joy in your soul is beginning to wane now watch that and if you find something in your life now new boys now, We want to help you I hope the brethren don't think I'm too blunt here But I'm trying to help you If you find something's raising in your life That's hindering you Enjoy and spirit your things You just leave it alone If it's robbing you of communion with God That's too big a price to pay for if your company's not right see that it is right if your doings are not correct you examine them because I believe many dear saints of God now I don't want to be unkind many dear saints of God are grieving the Holy Spirit of God and they're living and they're neither happy in soul nor are they enjoying the world to its fullness they know enough of God to make the world just not all that they would want to go in for. And yet they're not enjoying fellowship with the Lord that would make them really happy on the way to glory. Now about the length of the communion of the Holy Spirit. You'll notice that we read in Romans and maybe we started off with this. And we notice that when the person is justified and when they have received the Holy Spirit, you will equally notice that that gives them a love. Now, when you look at it properly, the love of God shed abroad in the heart. You know, it's it's a wonderful thing to think that people that were hateful and hating one another, you hateful and hating one another, that they have now got the love of God shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost that is given unto them you ever noticed the change when you got saved that the Bible was a different book there was a love for it and that the saints were different there was a love for the believers and spiritual things were different because there was an interest in them and there was just something in the heart was going out. That you just didn't churn up with yourself and say, well, you know, now I'm a Christian, I just have to, I have to pull myself together and, and I have to do better and all this sort of stuff. No, no, it wasn't a human effort at all. The love of God shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Looking for every opportunity just to slip and have a look at the Bible and to have a little while of prayer the love of God oh to love God and to enjoy it that's the indwelling Holy Spirit operating begetting that which is divine you see love is of God and if if there's nothing of God about us then there's no love about us so that the Holy Spirit is definitely shedding abroad God's love in her heart that would mean to say you see now get, away, get as best we can a hold of this that when the moment came that you got saved all this you see is all uh, I'm dividing it all up but it's all simultaneous and we don't want you to get confused about it that is the love of God was flowing out to your, in your heart toward Christ the moment you trusted him you weren't thinking about your love you were likely thinking about his love for you but that's not the point your love was flowing out to him because you valued him and you appreciated him that was the love shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost and then from that moment your body became the sanctuary of God for he dwelt a holy place where he dwelt for he takes up his abode yes you're bought with a price glorify God in your body know ye not that your body is the temple of God and the temple of God is holy whose temple you are now let us be honest about it dear saints of God these are very solemn days in the world I'm not going to tell you too much about it I know don't know, know, too, know too much but there's a, there's a tremendous strain in society today because people have given up all conscience and all thought of conscientious living and shamelessly behaving in a way that's grieving to God and shows the world is rightly for judgment now dear soul in the midst of that God has sanctuaries holy blessings the bodies of his sins now it would be a terrible tragedy now listen dear child of God you would never forgive yourself did you hear that now? You never forgive yourself if you use your body in a way that's grieving to God. You never forgive yourself. I'm not talking about what others. you get restored and perhaps the Lord will forgive you and the saints may forgive you, but I want to stress very clearly you never forgive yourself if you allow your body to be used in an unclean way. And that's very solemn teaching, but now that's true and please take it from a humble creature that's trying to help that leads us into another domain and that is uh, we are going to think of the great conflict then that exists in the experience of a Christian between the flesh within him and the spirit that's in Gweningham oh you saved but great you know if when I got saved I got rid of everything that belonged to my natural condition that I got rid of the power of the flesh that would have been great now says so somebody I wonder when God was thinking about uh, saving us he didn't do something different to this and uh, take away from us the evil nature that's within us and give us absolute deliverance that we never would have a wrong thought that we never would say a wrong word that we never would do a wrong deed and that we would never make another mistake I tell you we were some boys if that were true but that's not God's way you know he did much the same with Israel now I'm not going to stretch away into other parts but you can think of this He could just have destroyed the whole enemies in Israel in Canaan when Israel went in. But he says, no, I'm leaving them there. And I'm leaving them there to put you to test. And I want you to prove me in the dealing with those enemies. But I'm not leaving you without help. You needn't be a bit afraid. And I will hunt them out, and I will, will chase them, and I'll, I'll overcome them, I'll give you power to master them. But if you begin to make marriages with them, and if you begin to link up with them, I'll, I'll, I'll just leave you, and you'll just turn to their evils. And that's a little picture, you know, of what's going on with a believer. You know, it's a, it's a strange thing to be safe, isn't it? Maybe you don't be smiling at me now, but mind it is. Oh, the one minister! Oh, there it is. I'm saved. Praise God for that. That's it settled. I can look down into the flame, and I know i will not be in it. I can look up into the bliss of heaven, and say, "That's my home. Blessed be God. I'm going to be there." Ah, but then I don't know. There's a, there's a something not right. There's a there's a something in me that's not changed yet. There's the same old 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 old, old tendencies. There's that flesh. That flesh. And, I, and what am I going to do with it? Hmm? It goes to bed with me. It gets with me. It goes to go work with me. It goes to school with me. It comes everywhere with me. And it's still, still on old man. Somebody, I'm sure, it's well away when you get a few gray hairs on your head and mine's turning white now. Hey, it'll surely be getting no better. It doesn't improve with age. Doesn't man? Now that's the flesh. And it lusts against the spirit. But then the spirit is against the flesh. Now please, do your best. Now you young Christians, uh, these older ones all know these things. But I'm talking to young believers mainly, at the moment. Know the difference between the old man and the flesh. They're not identical. People would say to you sometimes, you know, and you'd hear them saying, Oh, well that's just the old man coming out on him. Now the old man's crucified, and the crucified man gives you no trouble. And the old man is dead, and the dead man gives you no trouble. The flesh is not dead. The old nature is not dead, as we sometimes call it. Now the old man was what I was in my Adam standing before God saved me. Now that man died the moment I put my trust in Christ, and he's seen us dead with Christ. That's why I get baptized. Buried. And raised again. The old man's gone. Goodbye to him forever. Never going to be exactly the same. Couldn't be the same. Good workmanship. It's entirely different. There's a new man has appeared. And that little boy who used to hunt me a trick. Before I was saved, I mean. And it read someone like this. "Old oh, John is dead. I am you, John. Old oh, John is dead. And I am you, John. I not we believe that? So that the old man is crucified, the old man is dead, the old life is finished, and he's out of sight forever. He has gone to death with Christ, his Saviour on the cross. And he's buried with Christ, and he's out of sight forever. Now, I want to help you. At the same time, there's an evil principle remaining in us. It's called the flesh. It has lusts or desires. Now, that word's not as black as our English word, it's just simply desires. And that those desires are in conflict with what the Holy Spirit would produce. The fruit of the Spirit is distinct from the, the desires of the flesh. Now comes the big question, dear child of God. And this is what you need to know that the law, with all its control and all its instruction, wouldn't master the flesh and couldn't the argument now I I would love to have maybe hours on this but I'm listening to keep you your mind Would get tired I suppose you think mine doesn't but I I mean you would get tired thinking on these things but I want you to understand Romans 7 because Romans 7 is demonstrating to us the helplessness of the law to sanctify a man just as the early chapters demonstrated for us the helplessness of the law to justify man now can you follow those two thoughts that is if I want a holy life I don't get it by law keeping for the more law keeping I bring into life the more mistakes and evils I'm in but holiness comes by divine power enabling a man
1: to master
0: what the law could never enable him to do and that is the old principle that's in him now you read those verses haven't you I'm sure you've said oh, I'm sure the boys will be at me at the door of the night uh, uh, oh wretched man that I am and uh, uh, I, when I would do good evil is present with me and I would do good then I do evil and so on and so on oh, what kind of a Christian is that oh it's so somebody that's a very mature man he's away way ahead of all of us He has learned what the rest of us don't know. That's a lot of nonsense, dear friend. Don't you believe that? Well, if somebody's just an immature Christian, he's just staggering and he's early, early. Don't you believe that? Hmm. Oh. What sort of a boy is he? Well, you see, if you study it carefully, it's not Christian experience. Of course, not one good thing does that person do. And everything that's wrong he does do. That's not Christian experience. Christian says, well, now, I don't do everything that's right. but I don't do everything that's wrong. And a man that does nothing that's right can't readily say that he's a Christian. So that can't be describing a Christian at all. No, I'll tell you what it's doing, David. Now, will you listen to it as best you can, for you may never hear many taking it up in public meetings it's showing us what it would be like to have a new nature and no indwelling spirit to enable us to carry out its desires <laughs> can you follow that it's demonstrating to us how much we need it, the power of Romans 8 to have victory over the flesh and to have the power to overcome evil in our lives. Now, you say, well, that's very good. That's very good. That shows me then that if I'm a believer, I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and no matter how powerful the flesh may be, or how many desires might rise in my fallen nature, I'll never fulfill any of them while I'm indwelt by the Spirit. Now, you just please don't assume that that's not correct no that's not correct all of us would like that were true but it's not so what you will find if you read these passages thoughtfully maybe you take time someday to do it that it's those who are led by the spirit and who are under the control of the spirit that are preserved from fulfilling Hmm. The lusts of the flesh. Now, when you look at the, look at the, the passages, I think I'll quote it: "Reasonably near, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfil the desires of the flesh." Now, let me come a wee bit closer still, now, and a wee bit easier, just to understand. When you break down in doing something just to gratify the flesh, when you do that, you have been grieving the Spirit of God, and that's why. You're helpless to overcome the flesh. And this is solemn. You see, there's a sort of a vicious circle as the scientists would tell you that. And that is, I do wrong. I grieve the Spirit of God. That weakens me to resist wrong in another way. In other words, it's the power of a non-grieved Holy Spirit that enables us to overcome our fallen nature. These are solemn thoughts. That means that when you're confessing your sin, you see, dear brother, and I hope we all do it, you have to own that you have grieved the Spirit or you wouldn't have had that sin to confess. That will mean that if we were walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, we'd be preserved in our lives and in our testimony. These are big matters and we ought to be thoughtful and concerned about them. Yes there's the conflict and then there's the victory thanks be unto God says the apostle who give us the victory through our Lord Jesus then he goes in the next chapter to show us how that victory is gained now there are, are some texts that you would need to think about one I want to help everybody with because it's very important make no provision for the flesh fulfill it in the lust thereof. This hmm? so is somebody, went now there, uh, there's a man preaching, you know, he's only a he's only a, a half he's only a half helper because he never had the experience that I have. He has never been a heavy smoker. And there he's never been a heavy drinker. And he has never had the terrible habits that I have had before I got saved. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Now, just a minute. Just a minute supposing I were a heavy smoker and I was seeking the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome that dirty habit and that which would bring me into bondage I don't think we'd have any I'm not hitting anybody here but we wouldn't have any such thing but uh, supposing I was because even on safety people can stop smoking there's no, no sense for a Christian carrying on with it but supposing I did do that and I says well now I know the Holy Spirit will preserve me but I'll buy a packet of cigarettes and I'll put them in my pocket. hmm Now that's making provision. That's just tempting God. For a man to say I'm addicted to drink but I'm not going to drink, the Holy Spirit will preserve me. But I'll just buy another bottle and keep it in my pocket. Just, I'll just have it in my pocket, you know. It's right in handy, isn't it? Look dear child of God watch that you don't walk into evil and then expect God to preserve you when you're in it you're making provision for the flesh you watch that because you see that's grieving God and that is grieving the Holy Spirit of God in other words there is a wise path for the child of God to take and that is to avoid all these things that would tempt God and tempt you and always remember now please I would love to say this with emphasis the flesh has more power than you think and that your good decisions wouldn't enable you to overcome the flesh oh oh you never hear the brethren praying at the end of a meeting Lord, send us home with determination.
1: Determination
0: to live for God and so on. I'm not against that. I listen to that and can say amen too. But I know this, the back of my mind. I know more. It takes more than determination. If the flesh was so weak that determination would overcome it, you wouldn't need the help of the Spirit to overcome it. But you do need divine power to master the flesh To keep that in mind divine power to master the flesh that's where you can't afford now you can't afford to breathe the Holy Spirit of God because you're weak and the evil principles there opportunity will just set it ablaze Then your tears, dear Savior of God, and I don't want to be unkind. Your tears can't wash it away. And you feel sad that you've actually fell again. Not in a big way, but in some way or other, you've done something that has been grievous to God. Don't forget, dear soul, that you're dependent on divine help to overcome the world, as we pointed out, I think, in another meeting. And you need divine help to overcome a fallen nature. I haven't tried now in your presence tonight to underestimate the power of our fallen nature there's not a sin committable but the siege of us in every one of us that's why we can't afford a trial we must be serious because the Holy Spirit is needed as regards Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it in the lusts thereof. There's the human side and the power that's needed in the execution of your life as a Christian. Then again, uh, we noticed, we didn't maybe say much, we really just glanced at me. I did, I don't know whether I read a bit in Romans 8 or not. But isn't it a marvelous thing? that every one that has been sealed by the Spirit and every one that has been indwelt by the Spirit that every one of those bodies that have been temples of the Holy Ghost will be raised when the Lord comes. I don't know how I could describe it to you but it's something like this you dropped a magnet and there were certain particles covered we see steel covered with a little coating of clay we drop the magnet the magnet will touch the draw the steel now the Holy Spirit as it were is the great brown mark that marks every body that will rise at the Lord's coming, I mean, of this dispensation. I hope you see what's in my mind. That is, quicken us by the Holy Spirit. That'll be a wonderful experience, won't it? That is to say, that the body that has been for years a temple of the Holy Ghost, that body will be changed and fitted to be a spiritual body to enjoy heaven and be suited to heaven. Now we couldn't go to heaven with these bodies. They just won't suit it. They're, they're, they're terrestrial bodies. But we'll go to heaven with spiritual bodies. Celestial bodies. Bodies that will fit the place we're going to. But that will be the consummation of the spirits working in us. Who was already indwelling us in physical bodies, in earthly bodies. Now, in the meanwhile, in these bodies, marvelous, isn't it, to think? How much can be enjoyed just in a human body? Mind you, their bodies are humiliation. Well, they are indeed. And yet, a wee bit older, you feel that. Memory not so good, then. mind not so clear. You know the way you can notice the, the hold ups and so on, and the preachers, you always, you young chaps can say, Man, I wonder, he wouldn't have that quicker mind than that. Aye, but you're so slow too, you know. And all that, you see the humiliation coming. Hmm? Humiliation coming. And some will help you, you know, to feel a wee bit more humble, for they'll give you a push down the road, as it were, and they'll show you that. You know, when I, there he is, I remember when he could do something no use now, you know. I could soon show you the scrappers shame the effort. but then that will be the great change. great change now maybe there's a change going on now oh oh hi there's a change going on now I hope you're known about it you say what is that that same spirit that will change our bodies and has already changed our souls that's the power that enables us to contemplate our risen Christ at God's right hand and as we contemplate him become more like him as the days go by don't you know that hymn maybe you sing it with the sort of your mind nearly at length when you get to that verse we would more holy be more like our risen glorious Lord whose face we soon shall see. That is, we contemplate our risen Christ, but God right now. He's going to be our companion forever. Oh, we're going to love him forever. We're going to enjoy his company. And it breaks my heart and it softens me to think that he's going to enjoy me. I don't know why, but he will. He's going to enjoy us in heaven can it be that I am not an object that will delight the heart of the Lord Jesus through our all eternity? Now in the meanwhile, he would have us ponder him and think of him and become more like him, conform to his image. Transformation or if that's the big word you'd want to use. Transformation, more like our risen, glorious Lord, whose face we soon shall see. What about our life? Anything in it? Would we we'll be dabbling in anything that would grieve the Lord? Would we we'll be doing anything that's just not in keeping with a coming Christ? There's our lives like someone in his fear and in his presence, so that when we meet him and when we see him, we'll be as like him as possible before it. Now, I'm not saying it's possible you know it's not possible to be completely like him but as like him as possible in time and then when we see him we'll enjoy it in his fullness now when you wonder would want anything worthy now be honest about it when we took a look at these things that are within our reach now poor sinners on the brink of hell a few years ago with the longest and might have been burning in the flame forever Instead of that snatch from burning hell and through God's run, and blood, and as raised the ruined wrecks of sin above created thought
1: that we're going to be
0: objects that will delight the heart of Christ forever. I hope you'll be able to sing to me. We're well, not singing in this meeting, but I hope you'll be able to sing. Farewell, being world. Goodbye. Your charms are spread and vain. I've heard a sweeter story. I've turned a through again that's something worthwhile, here, so when you come to the end of the road if you're allowed to pass the way before the Lord comes we don't know where we, whether we'll go one way or the other but nice to be able to look back over your shoulder and say thank God oh thank God for all I enjoyed of spiritual things on the road to heaven thank God for all I've known of the energy of the Holy Spirit in my life shall we pray.